I felt to uh, talk today on um, what's in a name. Um, Shakespeare, um, in one of his musings, said, uh, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So he was saying basically, you can call it whatever you want to, but it's, nature is still its nature. And um, I think that's an interesting thought because people are called by names. All of us have a name. None of us were born and our parents didn't at some point before the registration was made choose a name for us. <clears throat> we work with the Bajau community sometimes and um, they name their children by what they see when the child is born. And um, they aren't uh, a culture that uh, historically has followed Jesus in any way. So some of the names of the Bajau children are really quite scary. So they'll be called Bangit or uh, Yellow because they have jaundice and they're often abusive names. And you'll find that when the Bajau come to know Jesus, they will often ask the church pastor to rename their child. It's a real transition because they start to understand the value in a name. So instead of calling that child, hey, ugly, or hey, screwed up face, or whatever it was that they came out, babies come out looking kind of special sometimes. Um, <laughs> they don't come out looking picture perfect often. And, um, but they often rename their children. So the pastor will rename that child joy or grace or peace or something that speaks of the nature of God to call out the destiny in that child as opposed to literally a curse, right? If you're calling someone ugly their whole life, they're gonna have some issues. That's not something to speak over anybody. And um, so I wanted to look at n naming and what's in a name. Because um, when we talk about God, the Bible uses either as a name or as a descriptive, over 1,200 names or descriptives of God. And then it goes on to call him indescribable, which is probably, that's why there's 1,200 different names or descriptives of him in the Word of God. And um, with, with a name, it, it reveals part of his character. So he's called holy, he's called righteous. There's so many um, names of God that give you an understanding of a dynamic of who he is. No one name can do it. That's why he has so many. And, um, but it helps us with our very finite human understanding, have an understanding of an infinite, eternal God. Um, and I think what we, who we understand God to be is absolutely key to our relationship with him. If we only understand him in one of those dynamics, we're going to have a very limited understanding and faith of God. If we know him as our healer, we have an expectation that he will heal us. When he says, my name is Jehovah Rapha, that means Jehovah who heals, God who heals, the Lord who heals. Then we say, well, you call yourself the God who heals. Therefore, I'm coming to you sick saying, God, heal me, knowing that that is your nature and that is your name. And um, we, so I would like to challenge us today with what, what is in our picture frame of God? If I ask you to describe who God is, do you have a very limited understanding? All of us do, because he's an infinite God. But let's expand our understanding by understanding his name. <clears throat> um, I would like us to, uh, if we have a Bible with us or if you have a phone or whatever, um, in the book of Exodus, you see an encounter that Moses had. 
So it's in Exodus 33. And Moses cries out to see God's glory. Um, He's been called to lead a group of people who are straight up rebellious, difficult, grumbling, complaining. Um, Anyone that desires leadership, I think, really should study the life of Moses because he had to lead people and all of us can be those things. But he had a whole bunch of them and he was uh, not wanting to even speak publicly. He got his brother to do that part of his job. So... um, when you desire leadership, I think the study of Moses is a good thing because you have to be pretty crazy to want to take responsibility for people. Um, taking responsibility for ourselves sometimes is more of a challenge if we walk it humbly. Um, so Moses cries out to the Lord and he says, um, if your presence, this is in um, verse 15, then um, Moses said to the Lord, if your presence will not go with us, don't take us from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we'll be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. This is the Lord's response. I will, then the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So when Moses cries out, Give, show me your glory, God says two things. I will show you my goodness and I will call out my name. God's glory is wrapped up in his goodness. When you will cry out for the glory of God, he shows you his goodness. He also calls out his name because he wants to show you who he is. He wants to identify himself to you as more than you know him to be. And um, so it goes on. So um, in verse 5 of chapter 34, this is when we see the Lord do this. It says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. So you see there aspects of the nature of God that God wanted to reveal to Moses. He said, this is who I am. When you say, please don't go, don't send me unless you come with me. When you say, show me your glory, this is what he says, I will cause my goodness to come before you. And it also says that you can't see my face, is what the Lord says to Moses. Um, And he says, I'll cover you with my hand. So as my glory goes before you, because you can't see the face of God and live. That's a picture of intimacy right there. God could have said, I'm going to block off, block off my sight from you by the rock. Because it says God held him in the cleft of a rock, in the the little dip in a rock. So he could have said, I'm going to cause the rock to fall before you as I go before you. Because there's a barrier between you and me. But he didn't. He said, I'll cover you with my hand as I go past because you can't see my face and live. What an intimacy that God wants to cover us, protect us with his hand. Can you see the nature of God being revealed in this? And um, so I want to bring to you the very thought that we don't fully understand the nature and character of God. And we can limit it and box it in by what we hear, by rumours. I want to ask you, how much do you think you know of God simply by a rumour? Because we can hear things. We can hear things being preached. 
that are right or are wrong and we can only judge that by listening to the word of God for ourselves and reading it and deciding is that in the word or do we do it by um, actually having an experience of him and asking him God show me your glory I want to know, call your name out to me who, I, who do you want to be to me do you want to be my healer my deliverer my closest friend all of these are at my high tower my place of refuge, my deliverer, all of these are names of God. We have a, um, a picture up in our home um, that has a few of the names of God and I just wanted to read them out to you. And maybe you know him as these things, maybe you don't, but this is who he declares himself to be. Our advocate before God, the Lamb of God, the resurrection and the life, the shepherd, the judge, the Lord of Lords, a man of sorrows, the head of the church, master, faithful, the true witness, the rock, the high priest, the door, the living water, the bread of life, the rose of Sharon, the alpha and omega, the true vine, Messiah, teacher, holy one, mediator between God and man, the beloved, the branch, the carpenter, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the image of the invisible God, the word, the chief cornerstone, the saviour, the servant, the author and the finisher of our faith, the almighty, the everlasting father, the lion of the tribe of Judah, I am, the king of kings, the prince of peace, the bridegroom, the only begotten son, wonderful counsellor, Emmanuel, son of God, the day spring, the amen, the king of the Jews, the prophet, redeemer, anchor, the bright and morning star, the way, the truth, and the life. Can you see how indescribable he is? Our words don't do him justice. He doesn't just want to be your savior. So many people in the world today just want a savior. They want to pass from their sins. That's good because you need to acknowledge your need of a savior. But that is such a limited understanding of God. Um, there is a, uh, one of the most popular apps on, that app, Apple, on, on iTunes um, is a thing called Pocket God. I don't know if you've played it, if you have it, um, but that one, and then there's another one I forget the name of now, but there's like over 200 million downloads of this app. And with Pocket God, what you do is you are God. So you have a little island and you can decide what to do with these people. You can create them or you can kill them. And there's various ways you can kill them. I do think it's probably been created for you to be a vengeful God because you can throw them to the sharks. You can get a rock and play bowling balls with them and knock them all down with a bowling ball. You can chuck them in a volcano. And so you, can, you are God on this thing. You are the God, right? And that's a really kind of interesting concept in itself and that could probably preach. But where do we get our understanding of God from? And how, who do we know him to be? Who is in that picture frame? Do we expect him to be a vengeful God? Or do we understand him to be good because he said he's only good? But do we have a human understanding of good? Do we have a human understanding of when he says, I am love, does that mean that everything's okay? Because he's love, God will forgive me, God is a forgiver. Or do we say, oh, he is love, but that love is pure and holy and can accept no sin. 
So what does my life look like in reflection of that? And have I invited him to be pure and holy in my life and to make me holy, to be holy because he is holy God? Or am I just going, he's grace, so therefore everything's okay. We can get such a lopsided understanding of God if we focus on only one thing of his nature. And our culture today will tell us to only focus on God is love with a very human understanding of what love is. Because love is eternal. It is patient, it is kind, it is truth. It is holiness. There are so many things bound up into that. And if we look at them through our human eyes without looking at them as how God looks at them, we miss out on so much of the fullness of the relationship that God's called us to have with him. Um, there is a, um, it's a really old preach, by, uh, and it's a snippet of it, by a guy called Dr. Lockridge. And he says, it's called, That's My King. And it's a provocation, and it calls out the names of God, and then it says, but do you know him? And as you listen to this, ask yourself that question, do I know that he's my king. Does this sound like my God? The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. 
couldn't stop him. Silence couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Hey! That's powerful, hey? We can go through life having a religion. We can do the right things. That's not God's heart for any one of us. God's heart is that we would know him and walk with him all of our lives. And with all of my heart, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the one who died for you. I want you to walk with him. I want you to walk in fullness of life. Jesus said that the, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but he came that you would have life and have it abundantly, have fullness of life. Not just a ticket to heaven, but here on earth to walk in a full understanding of God as your father, as your closest friend, as your redeemer, as your savior. I, I, I want you to ask in your heart today, do I know him? And if you don't know him, there is a moment right now where you can say, God, I want to know you. I want to know the fullness of who you are. I want to today say, would you show me your glory? Would you walk before me with your goodness? Would you cover me with your hand? And would you call out your name to me? Because I want to know you. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal Jesus to us today. That if any one of us, your word is so clear, if any of us confesses our sins and receives Jesus as the Lord and the Savior of our lives, that our lives are never supposed to be the same, that you transform us. It's not about a code of conduct, it's about a completely ending of one life and the complete beginning of another, that we are a new creation in Jesus. As a Holy Spirit, where we have in any way, any of us, tried to contain you or confine you or understand you, in not the fullness of your nature. Holy Spirit, would you come right now into our hearts and reveal the truth of Jesus to us, that we would walk fully in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.